Welcome to the Q. Conversations in digital media. This podcast is brought to you by Q1 Media. Digital campaign execution and optimization since 2004. Our next episode is queued up and ready to roll. Thank you for listening. You're in the queue. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the queue conversations in digital media. This is James McNeil. Uh, hope you guys are doing well. And again, if you have any questions with any digital marketing, I know OTT and CTV campaigns and people are like, trying to get as much data as they can or get some research based on that stuff. So if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to Q1 Media. Go to q1media.com. So today's guest was Les Stobart. He is a very big, big marketing guru, has been working in the uh, service-related uh, industry for, God, it's a, it's a home service industry for over 20 years. Uh, he got his start back in the 80s in the ad agency and has really been able to see the uh, marketing industry evolve over time, uh, not just within TV radio, but also within the digital landscape and starting with uh, you know getting users to go to their website, which he explains was like a, another brochure for uh, these companies that he worked for at the time. But then obviously that, that landscape changed and, uh, and just uh, had talking to him about that, those changes and maybe the upcoming changes was really unique. So I hope you guys enjoy this. You're in the queue. Awesome. Thank you, Les, for joining us here on the queue. Thanks, gentlemen. Appreciate it. Yeah, so I apologize again. Uh, we stuck you in the uh, Texas Longhorn Room, and as a lifelong Aggie, <laughs> I, I apologize for that. Yeah, I'll, I'll get over it, but, uh, <laughs> you know, thanks thanks for thinking of me. I know, I know. We should have put the uh, the Johnny Manziel jersey up instead. At least. <laughs> um, so uh, what do you think the Aggies? Do you think they got a good, uh, I mean, Jimbo, second year, got a full... You know, I, I think the Aggie Nation is optimistic, right? I mean, if you're kind of a college football geek, and unfortunately I am, then uh, between the coaching staff and then kind of what you saw on the field last year in terms of improvement, not to mention the all-important recruiting. So, yeah, I, I, think I'm, I think I'm enthused. I think most of the Aggie Nation is. Well, I think it might be – I mean, Alabama's had their run. I don't know. I mean, when, when are they going to c- come down? That's what we – I think that's the question everybody's wondering about well, NCC West, huh? Clemson sure figured it out a yeah, few months ago. That's true. That's true. Well, the Aggies, they'll be there. And Jimbo, I mean, they've got so much money in their in their pocket. That's the thing. Yeah. yeah. The, money, the money that that school's able to spend on, on not just sports, other things too. Yeah. But yeah, it's there's there's a there's a good amount there. Yeah. So uh, tell us a little about yourself. Where you're from? Where like where'd you uh, where would your folks kind of land? And where where did you start? Uh, you know, kicking up dust. So, uh, Tex- Texan by birth. So, you know, I think, uh, I think that's something that all of us uh, Texans are always proud of, right? Originally from, from near Houston, a little, a little town east of there called Beaumont. So that's where I grew up and, and uh, went to school and had family and, and college and uh, uh, first jobs and all that good stuff. What, so, were you, what was growing up in East Texas like? I mean, it's kind of Cajun territory, but yeah, yeah, no, no, you're spot yeah, on. Yeah. You're spot on. So um, the 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 Louisiana influence with a lot of the Cajun culture, be it you know cooking, and then certainly the French names, uh, is all over East Texas. So I grew up with 
Thibodeaux and LeBlas, LeBlas and, uh, um, you know, if you see it spelled H-E-B-E-R-T, Hebert, but it's pronounced Hebert, and so typically somebody that's uh, not, you know, from kind of Cajun country would, you know, stumble over that, but yeah, it, it's kind of cool. It's its own language, too. It is I mean, its own language, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, the people, uh, it's, I, I think people are out from uh, other parts of the country don't realize that Texas is really like five different countries. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> East Texas is far, far different than North absolutely. or West or South. It's and, and Austin's a little bit different. It's a breed on its own, too. So. Mm-hmm. That's true. So what? Uh, so you went to college, uh, stayed in the Beaumont area? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then my first job out of college was in, a, is, was in an ad agency. This is 19... 19- 85, and I couldn't wait to get out of school and go to work in an ad agency. And I was lucky, um, uh, you know, the the mid-80s, and especially Beaumont. Beaumont's kind of a blue-collar area. It's, it's, it is it is a miniature Houston, to be real honest with you. Those of, those of you that have spent time in Houston know that it's very dependent on the oil industry, even to this day. You know, the, the, the refining, the, the commerce, everything that goes along with the oil patch. Well, Beaumont is that in just a, a smaller, smaller thing. So I was lucky to, to have been offered a couple of different jobs in a couple of different ad agencies. I chose the one that I really wanted. And, um, man, it was a great gig for, for a single guy to, to be able to all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm producing radio spots and TV spots and billboards and newspaper this and running political campaigns and so yeah, it was fun. What what drew you to the ad industry? What what do you, Man, do you think I, there was something I, early on, or you know, good question. I, I can I can honestly tell you that that coming out of high school, I didn't know that it existed. As weird as that sounds, I mean, I I, I guess I, I had no idea that somebody could make a living producing TV commercials and and brochures and. And eventually digital ads and stuff like that. I had no idea that was a career, right? And kind of stumbled into it through some friends. And 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 now, uh, what, 30 years later, I'm still doing it in some form or fashion. I know. It's, cha- it's changed a lot, but you're right. Yeah. The, the, I think the allure of it is still there. You know, whether it's digital, print, TV, radio, I think people still look at it and they're like, oh, this is cool. And then, it's exciting. I it's think exciting. Mad Men did bring even more yeah, <laughs> or you know to, i don't know was it was it mad men-esque when you first started or not I know, quite I know it wasn't 60s but you know. not quite and yeah, we yeah. and we rarely did we drink at lunch but uh <laughs> but yeah that you know the whole in a way you know the creative world they show in mad men granted it's it's isolated and it's different of course that was new york city but yeah. but yeah i mean just seeing the creativity and the you know the the battles if you will for accounts and the battles to do good work and and how sometimes it's such a thin line between what ends up being good work or poor work or a good ad or poor ad or whatever i mean I, you know there's i think some of that was shown on mad men so yeah. so yeah it was that's that's a decent comparison what were the uh what were the probably the most difficult well i guess in that time when you were working with clients was it what was that like or what type of clients were you working with back then? so so we had a good cross-section we were an ad agency that was probably roughly 20 people I think kind of kind of when I left there we were 18 19 20 somewhere in there and we had a good cross-section of all kinds of clients um, 
far-profit healthcare was beginning to develop. It was something, you know, if you look back just, and, and you still see it these days, don't get me wrong, but if you look back, you know, it was always out of a charity system or a religious system, the Baptist system, the Catholic system. And, and, and in kind of the 80s, you began to see uh, the HCAs and the Humanas and the Health Souths. And, and I went to work for, for a company um, um, called Columbia that at the time was, the, this is when I left, this is one of the reasons I left the ad agency was to, was to specifically do healthcare work. But I went to work for Columbia, and uh, that's that was for a time the largest single healthcare company in the United States. The uh, CEO was a guy named Rick Scott, and now he's the senator, the newest senator from from Florida. It's the same Rick Scott that was my CEO back then. But um, but that so that was really driving advertising, and and in the agency we had several clients that were hospitals or healthcare related, and for whatever reason that was the one that probably fascinated me the most yeah and so um but we had a we had myriad of other things too car dealers restaurants retail uh, a lot of politics i mean whenever you get into the political yeah. season um in 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 the spring you know the primary stuff or you get into the the general in november i mean we would always have a lot of local candidates state house uh, races or mayoral races or things like that and i love that too i was yeah. i was a kind of a political animal and loved all that so i guess out of the agency that was kind of where i fell in love with the healthcare side and in politics to a certain degree and we did really everything we were a complete shop i mean it was it was run owned at the time by a young lady who was really talented her name was was ann ann lee and um, Ann ran a good shop, and, and I think I think all things considered, we did good work for a bunch of different clients. That's good. So TV, radio, print, all that. Yeah, stuff. Yeah, man. I mean, most of it was they call it traditional now. <laughs> no, you're so you're spot on. So there was all we did a lot. We did all of the traditional stuff, be it radio, television, outdoor, newspaper, direct mail, yellow pages, and those are two things that. You know that still are around, but if you look at newspaper, uh, and I'm talking about the traditional print product itself, the thing that gets thrown on everybody's driveway every day, it's worlds apart from what that newspaper looked like 25 or 30 years ago. In the same way for yellow pages, I mean, back then, if you were uh, starting a business, the main thing that you probably made sure that you did was as soon as you were able to get your ad in the yellow pages and you bought as big ad as you could afford. So I've seen those things kind of go by the wayside to a certain degree. Um, was it in the healthcare industry, what was was there a particular tactic that they gravitated towards or you guys recommended? You know, so much of it really is is in the healthcare side of things is is just branding. You know what I tell a lot of people and it in a lot of ways it applies to the same job for the company I work for now, honestly, but, you know, healthcare is one of those things that you really don't want to go spend money on for a couple of reasons, right? A, it's expensive and you literally don't want to spend that money. But B, if you're interacting with a hospital or physicians, it means something's wrong. I mean, outside the birth of a child, which is clearly is a very, you know, is a great experience, a pleasant experience. There's not a whole lot else about a hospital or doctors that is. Mm -hmm. So you got a brand all the time and you have to be top of mind in, in the consumer's mind so that when something does happen, happen, whether it's an emergency room visit or something else, then, um, 
you know, if you've got some say-so about where you're going to go, then hopefully we branded well enough at the time to draw you into that facility. Yeah. What uh, what health? So you went and worked for Columbia, and that was for that was what late eighties. Yeah, or? that was. Let's see. Uh, don't need. Don't get me to lie here. So that would have been um, probably early nineties. We'd probably moved. I was with the ad agency for about six years, and and then into healthcare and worked for Columbia, and we had a a large acute care hospital, meaning emergency room and surgery suites and general healthcare. We also had. At the time, a very large uh, behavioral health inpatient hospital. Um, uh, so I did both sides of healthcare from that standpoint. Ended up the the one time I've lived outside of um, Texas for any length of time. We lived in Louisiana for a couple of years, and I worked for uh, a company over there called Horizon Healthcare, which eventually was sold to Health South because there's no shortage of mergers and things like that in the healthcare industry, or at least at the time. And uh, that was a physical rehab hospital. So traumatic brain injuries, hip replacements, knee replacements, strokes. So I saw that side of, of the world and learned to market that side of the world. That's a little different than marketing your car dealership. or I mean, is, that, is it more difficult, or is it still kind of the same... I'd, I'd say, you know, I don't know that I'd say more difficult because there, there's certainly challenges anytime you're, you've got to market um, retail type things. And I'll go ahead and throw, you know, car dealers in, in that basket. But um, I don't know. It's exciting. Um, the, the thing that I truly felt, and this will sound hokey, but, you know, I was a little cog in, in the wheel of healthcare at any of the hospitals I was at. But... Um, and hospital and healthcare is very much a team kind of thing, whether you walk in through the emergency room or walk in ambulatory and, and end up in a surgical suite or go in for testing or whatever it is, you know, there's a team of people that, that literally, you know, work on your healthcare journey, labs and imaging and physicians and nursing and therapists. And so I was a tiny little cog in, in that piece to just, you know, educate people and uh, help draw folks into the healthcare um, system, and and hopefully, you know, they were they benefited in some form or fashion. Help them make an informed decision. On yeah. It. Yeah. So when did you make the shift? I guess you still lived in that uh, East Texas part, but then eventually uh, made the move into the Central Texas. Yeah. Area. So so my wife and I were had had been in Louisiana for a couple of years. We had a couple of young kids. Both of my boys were. Um, gosh, not even in elementary school yet. And um, to this day, my wife and I still debated a little bit, but I just wasn't a fan of Louisiana. I just was kind of <laughs> ready to come back home, come back home to Texas. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and my wife liked it. It was a smaller town that we were in, but uh, I guess she kind of gave in, and we were fortunate at the time and could kind of look around and decide where we wanted to end up in Texas and we looked in the Dallas area, and we looked in the San Antonio area, and we had we toyed briefly with going back to Houston. And I like Houston, but it's a big city. And we opted out of that and then um, made a trip to, to Austin and spent a couple of weekends here. And like so many other people, fell in love with it. And so we've been here 20, uh, 21 years. And... Um, I wanted to get back into healthcare here and just didn't find the opportunity at the time and did find uh, opportunity in the service industry 
and I went to work for a company called Fox Service Company and was there just a little under 10 years. And that's really where I, I guess, learned the service business. And um, it's not dissimilar. I mean, as strange as mm-hmm. this as this um, will sound, it's not entirely dissimilar from that of, of healthcare. I mean, you're, you're basically serving people and their needs and whatever the issues are and, and things like that. So... Um, did that for, for 10 years at, at Fox and then made the move over to ABC and have been at um, ABC Home and Commercial Services for 11 years or so. Wow. So, yeah, big shift. But obviously, we're going from, you know, clients and patient care to then, hey, is my phone ringing and yeah. we need to service yeah. houses, whether that's pest control or... AC or yeah. lawn care and it's you know it's business development right mm-hmm. I mean in the in 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 the at the end of it and it doesn't matter um, it doesn't matter what industry it it is I don't think now I suspect somebody that 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 wants to argue this point certainly can but you know good fundamental marketing um, is needed in all industries and it doesn't matter if it's um, healthcare or it's the home service industry or whatever it is, I think a good marketing person who hopefully knows, um, you know, some of the basics and some of the nuances can, um, can develop business for whatever, uh, entity or institution they're working for. And when you come in, you obviously are working with people who've maybe started this company. It may be, you know, a generation deep already, and they feel like they know the brand, but they're also hiring you at the same time yeah. to be, to know it even better than they do. Is that, is that something that, you know, you felt was just the reason, I don't know, like, did you get into that and go, okay, well, this, this now I got to pick up this brand. I got to be this brand. And also like figure out ways to make sure that they're making money. <laughs> you know, I think it's I think it's definitely pick up the brand. I mean, I'm very respectful of I've I've been fortunate to work for two really good CEOs. Now, they're entirely different in their approaches to things, but Charlie Hard was the owner and CEO of a Fox Service company and he hired me and and I, I worked every day with Charlie on the Fox business and then more recently Bobby Jenkins at ABC and and I, I respect both of the guys a whole lot. Um, entirely different CEOs, an entirely different set of of the way they kind of go at running their business. But you know, ultimately, it was up to me to to figure out what their vision was, and I guess respect their vision of what they want their company to be. And and I mean, we're talking in both of those cases, family, you know two gentlemen that literally own their businesses 100%, right? So I've got to be respectful of that, and I've got to understand what it is they like and they believe and they want. And then, yeah, I pick the brand up at that point, and then hopefully I sharpen it and I enhance it, and then, yeah, I kind of lead the, um, the presentation of the brand uh, to the public from there on out. I mean, that's that's... Kind of the way I'd say it is, I'm I'm respectful of it, but yeah, then I've got to I've got to refine it and shape it and lead it from there on out. So when you started working in the service industry, was it Yellow Pages? Was that the? <laughs> I mean, what was probably the biggest driver? I mean, that would have been oh man, twenty years um, ago, you know, plus years ago. So a, a little bit of everything. I mean, again, I, I I had a good mentor in in the lady that owned the ad agency, and 
and I, and her mantra was always, you know, you do what's right for the client. And if the and 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 different mediums have different strengths, right? Anybody that that says that 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 any particular advertising product or medium is the end all be all and the ultimate answer to every single thing, I don't know that that's true. I think I think different mediums have different strengths and weaknesses, and so it's it was our responsibility then, and it's my responsibility now to know the strengths and weaknesses of each, and then hopefully use them um, appropriately. But, man, I'd be lying if I said I hadn't done a lot of Yellow Pages, a lot of newspaper, a lot of direct mail, a lot of billboards, a lot of radio. I'll stop right there to <laughs> get the picture. <laughs> no, that's very true. But then you kind of get into what you know is now a days where the technology started to change. It started becoming having a website was probably one of the most important things to have. It was basically a lot of service uh, service places storefront because nobody's ever really walking into a Fox service or a uh, an ABC Home and Commercial. It's uh, it's fascinating. You're going to have to keep me reined in here because <laughs> I, I, I I can kind of I can kind of go off and. And, uh, well, what was your? Well, I'll, I'll tailor okay. in, in the into the dot com space when you first started working in it. Um, what did you feel was most important? So two, so two takeaways. Mm-hmm. So the very, the very first, probably the very first real entry into the dot com space of any kind was at Fox, and I brought up the first Fox website. Okay, that this would have been. Man, 98, 98, 99, actually, late 90s. And um, they didn't have a website. And so I was responsible for bringing um, uh, foxservice.com up on the site. And so that was, you know, the first time for anything um, is probably among the the bigger learning. uh, It's probably the time when you learn the most, right, the first time. So that that was that for me. And then the next... The next big thing that I really remember was a rep from the Austin American Statesman. I guess nowadays they would be called the, you know, just a digital rep or a digital sales rep. And she came over to talk to me about, um, gosh, advertising on the Austin American Statesman website. And so that was fascinating. And of course, that was display ads, and that was really about it at the time. It Probably had, some added value, too. It was just... <laughs> yeah, a, like, a, you know, a, a mixture of, mm-hmm. you know, traditional print and, and then website presence, but, you know, there was no digital and there was no um, any of the more sophisticated tactics or tools or things that exist right now. I won't say they didn't exist then. I'll just say that, you know, they were in their infancy, but those, those, were, those two things are very clear in my mind, in terms of, of my uh, opening um, approaches, if you will, to the digital world. That's pretty familiar, too. We've had a lot of different brands or um, you know, agencies tell us that their first entry into the digital space was typically on the local side. It was mm-hmm. a local newspaper who was trying to get out ahead of it because they saw the writing on the wall. Yeah. Um, or in the print, so to speak. But they were maybe, it was a local rep that came up to him and said, hey, try no. to buy some digital ads. I mean, you, did you even know how to buy it back then? You were just like, okay, there's these the impressions and then clicks and then... No, it, it, was, it was all fascinating. <laughs> yeah. and, um, and luckily, you know, either by chance or by, I don't know, I guess by chance, let's say, that I, I was intrigued and I was interested and, and maybe I, I was... Uh, either a, a little lucky or a lot lucky or a little bit smart and realize that, you know, things are going that direction right. So personally, I was fascinated with it. So when she began to say, well, this is, 
you know, this is statesman.com or Austin 360, whatever it was mm-hmm. at the time. And, and look, you can, you can have these ads and they're different sizes and, and they'll even move a little bit. You can have a, you know, a photograph on there, whatever it was, you know, I, I was fascinated. And so I did dig in and that's kind of my tendency is to kind of start asking a whole lot of questions. And a lot of times, I guess, um, that's to somebody else's chagrin a little bit because either they don't know the answer or they don't want to say they don't know the answer. This young lady, to her credit, said, you know, I, I don't know the answer to certain things I asked, but she did go and find, and I'll still remember this, uh, she went and found various case studies and kind of white papers on best practices and just in terms of buying display ads. And there was all these really sophisticated tactics like time of day routing and cookie capping and and all of these things that at the time, you know, were, were I guess, leading edge kind of stuff. And um, yeah, that was my first. That was my first entry into like the digital ad world. There was mm-hmm. no such thing at that point as as SEO that I'm aware of, or pay per click, <laughs> or SEM, or you know, all that stuff came in the next few years. Yeah. So let's get to that. I guess you did move over to, or you did Fox Services paid yeah. ad and Google. How did Google change? So that? so so I, all I can do is relate. You know, like my remembrances, right? So really, the whole time that I that I was still at Fox, it was all about the website and just just adding content. I mean, even fairly early on, we realized or I realized or, or I, things I read or were told, you know, content was king, so to speak. So I, I did try to add a lot of content to the website. But there wasn't a whole lot of, of mention of SEO at all, at least in terms of anybody knocking on my door and saying, hey, you know, here's... Um, here's what Google wants or here's what Google's doing. I uh, Either I was oblivious to it or it just didn't exist at the time, but it wasn't until I really kind of got, I guess, over to, to ABC and the first foray really over there was a company called Reach Local and I had a, um, a, good, a good rep that was calling on me for a while and was patient enough to really answer all my questions, which can be exhaustive. Well, with SEO, and, there's a lot of questions. Yeah, and this, <laughs> and this was, this you know, Reach at the time was really all in the in the pay-per-click space, and and um, so she was patient for months at a time as I learned and asked things and read things, and I think probably in, what would that have been, 2007, um, I think I launched the first uh, pay-per-click campaign, if you will, that ABC had ever had. And ABC did have a website when I went over there. I've since, I think we've done two generational updates, if you will, relaunches. But there was one in place. But, yeah, that's where I began to learn the SEO side of the house as well as kind of the pay-per-click side of the house, at at least as far as Google was concerned. Do you remember what type of cost per click you were getting on keywords back then? No, don't get me to line. I really don't. Yeah, well, it's probably a lot cheaper than what you're getting now. Probably so. (laughs) Uh, so in that space, you know, you're starting to realize, okay, well, wow, we can convert on the website and bring customers in and obviously get the phone to, to, to call. When did, when did that become, say, a driver just, and you're looking at it the same way that, say, a TV ad or a radio ad? Would Fairly be. quickly. I mean, the, the, the thing that, um, you know, the thing that makes a believer, I guess, out of somebody is the is the ability to launch the campaign and then get the to get the feedback and and you said it I mean it's essentially phone calls like so many like so many digital operations right they're able to record the calls and then be able to say well look here's here's a lady that called and wanted this or here's a man that called and wanted that and and it doesn't take long for those to really stack up and that makes an impression on you in terms of all of that 
all of that business that come that, that's coming to your doorstep. Then you realize at that point, um, unfortunately, sometimes that that the folks that are that are handling that phone call uh, need to be a little sharper. It's one thing to have the business delivered to your door, so to speak, but it's another thing to go ahead and pull it all the way through the door and sell the product or sell the item or whatever it is. So, but yeah, that was I, I remember that very well. That that was kind of the beginnings of of SEM for me and pay per click for me was that. Uh, 2007 with Reach Local. Uh, yeah. yeah, with Reach Local. Yeah, and then they, you realize there's so much data that you, you're like, I don't know what to do with this. I mean, we can't get as much data with radio or TV. We know that we can get more calls when we run TV ads, but we really can't truly measure unless we have a specific phone number or whatever. Um, so I think that's another thing, too, with digital, when you go into the social media space, when that starts coming along and you're talking about content that you're bringing out, how important was it to, to get on social media and obviously have a presence there when that started to come along? So that's fascinating, too, right? So, you know, this whole evolution for me has been, um, and I guess I'm lucky in a lot of ways to have, have been the age I was and, and see the things that, that have developed, so... Again, traditional stuff in the beginning and then the advent of the digital age. And then even within the digital age, right, you saw the maturation of websites and then the tactics that go along with promoting the websites, be it SEO and that kind of thing. And then the birth of, of the pay-per-click stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know, like you, like you just referenced social. And <clears throat> I think for most people, of course, that was probably Facebook or mm-hmm. Maybe Twitter, and then you know a little sub branch of that, if you will. And this is at least the way I look at it and view it. You know, social now has become reputation management. And there's all the, all the, all the forms of reputation management that exist out there. Be it you know Yelp reviews or Google reviews or even things that get posted on Facebook or, or um, Nextdoor or Angie's List or whatever it may be. So that that digital journey in a relatively short amount of time, when you think about going from Nothing but a website, nothing but the old .com, okay, all the way now to all of these digital products and things that are out there that you need to be aware of and you need to address. I mean, for us, I mean, at ABC, I mean, as, as all of those social media and reputation management things, uh, sites have proliferated, it's a lot of work, right? I mean, best practice says what? That you answer it, that you... If James comes on and says, hey, I had a great experience, then, then we need to make sure we say, well, thanks, James. Appreciate, you know, appreciate the kind words. Thanks for, thanks for the recommendation. On the other hand, if, if, if James posts a negative something, then we, we do at ABC. We do dig into it, find out the merits of, of what, the, what the issue may be, and then where it's appropriate we apologize and eat a little crow and say, you know what, we didn't handle that as well as we should have or could have, or maybe we push back just a tad and kind of educate somebody as to what maybe the reality of the situation was. But to think about that journey from a dot-com site that originally was nothing more than a brochure, I mean, that, and that's the way people used to describe it, right? It was it was your online brochure. It was my brochure that was on the web to... Now, things as personal as reviews and photographs and just the myriad of things that, that people can do in the digital space, it's, it's kind of mind-blowing well, in a short a, amount of time. It takes a whole team to, yeah. to, to manage that. Absolutely. I mean, that's not, I mean, 
your job has evolved <laughs> over the course of, of your time working in the marketing space. No, it shifted. And I think any good marketing person, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put myself at the top of any list, but I'll say any good marketing person has realized that. I will tell you at some point there'll be something else that'll come along and at some point I'm gonna look at it and go, you go, I can't learn that. That's that's I, I, for whatever reason I can't learn that. But up to now, um, then yeah, I'm I'm real happy and I'm real proud of of kind of the the journey that either Fox or ABC that that I've been able to kind of lead them through that. We'll speak to that a little bit. I know you you've worked with many different vendors. You've already mentioned a few. Uh, how difficult is that to? I mean, is it is it really your education? Like, hey, I got to take this on myself. Go to some conferences, learn about this, or do you really rely on a trusted vendor? Great question. Um, honestly, it's a combination, right? Mm-hmm. So, I think I think, and it's hard for me to speak for other people. I'm generalizing like I am, but really I'm just kind of speaking for myself, of course. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to go to conferences and dig in. There was a, there was a conference, there's a, a nationwide conference that does a lot of essentially SEO and, and pay-per-click kind of discussion every, every year, and it's called the Hero Conference. Well, I, I've been to that a time or two and, and just listening to, to speakers, you know, go through uh, that aspect of things, and I learned from that. On the other hand, I've also had, I've been fortunate to have really good account execs, if you will, that represent their products really well, and the ones that I want to take a ride with are the ones that go, um, hey, here's here's what our capabilities are. They ask a lot of questions about what we do, what my business is. They do the best they can to kind of marry uh, as old-fashioned as it sounds, to marry, you know, needs with, with products and what have you, and that's that's a good way to do that. That's a great way to do that. What I what I don't like are the reps that you know try to uh, BS their way through an answer, and they can't just say, you know, I I don't know that. Let me let me learn that, or let me bring somebody else in. But so I look um, for the good reps that I can learn from the good account execs that I can learn from. And then I go learn on my own too at the seminars mm-hmm. and things. And that's, that's my style of learning. Yeah. Well, it's difficult out there when you're trying to figure things out and you're like, well, is this person just trying to get my business or do they care mm-hmm. about the business? I'm after all these years, I'm pretty good at that. Yeah. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I, I can, I can sniff those out pretty good. And, um, I've told many, a young rep, I guess, over the years, especially, especially the ones that do what I call show up and throw up. And so I'll get a lot of reps that come in. I won't say a lot, but I'll get the Mm -hmm. occasional rep that will come in. They're typically younger, and they will just, for the first 30 minutes, tell me everything about their product. Yeah. Everything. And after a certain point, I guess my patience wears, and I'll go, you know what? Ask me some questions about my business. I guarantee you, you're going to learn a lot more about what makes me tick and what what the needs of the business are if you'll just ask as opposed to telling me everything you do. Mm-hmm. That's showing up and throwing up. So, yeah, I'm... I'm <laughs> I've never I'm, heard that one. That's a good one. So, I'm, I'm um, as, as I've aged, my patience is, is slightly thinner, and so I'm usually a little quicker to just stop somebody and go, ask me some questions, ask about my business, and then we'll see if you can help me. Yeah, and usually that can probably get them to 
relax or stop whatever. Uh, I think I've scared the hell out of a couple of them too. But <laughs> They've run out the door. Yeah. Uh, well, what what I mean, there's as you mentioned, the digital space is still evolving. Um, as I don't mean to say, hey, be Nostradamus in this in this sense, but where do you kind of see uh, things heading? Not just digitally, but just in terms of. How do we reach these people? You know, TV and, and radio, uh, TV's you know, reach is kind of going down now that people are cutting the cord. You know, what new things do you see out there that are like, okay, now we got to overcome this or learn this new thing? You know, I don't know. I, I guess the list is endless, right? I can tell you personally <laughs> that for the last 18 months, let's say, it's all been, it's all been OTT. Mm-hmm. So, that, you know, there's the next uh, horizon, if you will, uh, in kind of the digital space, and that's one that, I, I can't even tell you now when I first heard the term. I, I literally don't remember, but let's say it was 18 months, 24 months ago. And so that's been the one that I've been digging in. And I've taken every meeting that I can take with with different entities, and there are a lot of people jumping into that space right now. That's it's a whole other fascinating conversation about everybody that is attempting or has entered the OTT space. But, you know, that's one that, that I'm watching. I'm sure there will be you know, the next big thing after that and the next big thing after that, but I am not smart enough to know what those what those <laughs> next big things are. Well, OTT is definitely getting to that level where, you know, the cutting the cord percentage is maybe up to 35 40% <laughs> in most markets, and you kind of have to be there if you're a big brand. Absolutely. Which is then also, on your part, you got to vet all these other people who are in the space, <laughs> which can be difficult. because it's, it's interesting to watch right now because you've got, you know, so I'll and this is very much a personal opinion kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. So you can you can view the OTT, you can you can view the the ad, if you will, that runs via an OTT space, and let's just say it's that it's delivered via connected television. Okay, so you can view that ad and say, you know, the the thing it's most akin to is a TV spot. Mm-hmm. You know, traditionally it kind of looks and sounds and is similar to a TV spot, and so you've got providers offering that service that come out of that traditional broadcasting world. On the other hand, the way it's being delivered and the fact that it's trackable in very, in very digitally specific ways, you've also got a number of people that are in the digital space that say, you know what, that's, that's my area. That, that ad, yeah, it looks like a TV spot, but it's really, truly an offshoot of the digital space. So I'm, I just kind of sit back and I've just been watching the number of people entering that space. Mm-hmm. It is just fascinating. And watching the jockeying between who's doing it well, mm-hmm. um, who's bringing good resources to bear in terms of trained account execs or trained uh, people above them, product experts or whatever you want to call it. Um, I go to every seminar I can go to locally that somebody's putting on a, a breakfast or a lunch or an afternoon meeting. And as much as anything, it's, it's, it is not only to learn the product, but it's to evaluate the people that are attempting to sell it. And, mm-hmm. you know, the last thing I want is to jump into that space with somebody that doesn't know what they're doing, right? Yeah. I mean, it just wouldn't be a good thing for a variety of reasons. So I was very judicious, and I took my time before I entered that space with the partner that I chose, and that was after I watched a lot of them for, uh, gosh, I guess a year, making my mind up. Well, if you had to give some advice to a marketing person going to a brand, not even just service related, but say if, if somebody, some person out there is listening, if, there, if you had to give one piece of advice, what would it be? Um, go to med school. Ah. Uh, no. Um, 
ask more questions, um, uh, ask more questions than answers, I guess. I mean, I, I've, I ask a lot, and I tend to find that I learn more with my mouth shut than with my mouth open. And so that's going back to that showing up and throwing up stuff that I referenced with reps in the past. Yeah, man, if there's one takeaway, it's, it's um, yeah, know your product, and there's nothing wrong with knowing your product or your industry or whatever, but ask more questions than you um, make statements, I guess. Yeah, no, totally. And then, and then the last, I'll give you, I'll give you a, a softball. How do you think the Aggies will do this year? I what are you that, thinking? Okay, um, I'm going to go way <laughs> out on a limb, and granted, um, uh, this time of year, every team is undefeated, and every team will play for the national championship in the end, but if I realistically had to be somewhat optimistic, um, and granted, there's some optimism wrapped into this, I'll say A&M will be 9-3. Okay. So that means they win either at Alabama or Clemson, um, they probably have to split maybe one of those two games. Wow. That's a big ask. There you go. <laughs> well, the Clemson one, yeah. Alabama, I feel like they got to come down eventually. Hey, and we came close to Clemson I last know. year. Now, you know, know, people will say it was early in the season, but. Um, Is Mon still the quarterback? Is yeah, he still? Yeah, okay. he'll be a junior. Junior. Yeah. yeah. Well, good luck to the, the Aggies this uh, coming up here. I'm not, I don't have a dog in the fight. I'm not a Longhorn. I'm a, I'm a Texas State Bobcat, so I, I root for both. There you go. <laughs> well, thanks, Les, for joining us here on the Cube. Thank you. Appreciate it.